0: Welcome to the Razam Worship Songwriting Podcast, episode 21. This is an interview special where Sam meets spoken word artist, Peter Neveland. Well, I'm really excited to be speaking to Peter Neveland, uh, <laughs> all the way from, where are you, Pete? I'm in Austin, Texas. Ah, and it's like some really early time of the morning for you.
1: It's not that early. It's only a little after 10. So can't claim to be, I mean, I should be like, you know, washed and put together. And <laughs> Have you had enough caffeine? Uh, I don't, I stay away from caffeine. I'm one Seriously? of those weird spoken word artists and musicians, whatever, that hates coffee. <laughs> really? Caffeine does nothing for me. I tell people that uh, people are my espresso.
0: See the you first know. time I met you was well I think really the only time I met you apart from today was at Spring Harvest 2 years yeah. ago. Yeah. And you came into a venue that I was <clears> I was running and you did this crazy <laughs> spoken what do you call it spoken
1: oh, I call what I do spoken groove but you can call Sp- it spoken words spoken groove it,
0: really. And it was just like totally insane. And if you said to me, that guy doesn't drink caffeine, I would not have believed you. <laughs> <laughs> right. Because you you seem fully caffeinated at that point.
1: No other stimulants either. It's just the Holy Spirit,
0: I think. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah.
1: He made me like this. I figure I ought to, you know, <laughs> enjoy it.
0: Yeah, I think that's right. <laughs> um, well, I met you at that. And then Joel, who also does this podcast with me, he met you or saw you at least at the Graham Kendrick's songwriters event a few oh, years ago. Oh Yes, yes, yes. When right. you were there talking about psalms and you've done this book, Exposing the Psalms. That's right. And then a CD out of that yeah. too. Yeah,
1: we now have the album out. Yep, oh, that's true.
0: So good, good stuff. Yeah. So, and then this funny thing happened um, when we were recording the last podcast, we were talking about poetry and Joel just goes, oh, we should talk to Pete Nevland. He's brilliant. I wonder <laughs> if anyone listening to this knows Pete Nevland?" And I went... Oh, I met him at Spring Harvest. Maybe. So, that, so the two yeah. of you know me. Everybody yeah. else is like, you?
1: who is this guy?
0: <laughs> no, they were all over it. Um, so, yeah. So, here we are. And I, well, I got in contact and you very kindly said, yes, let's do it. So, yeah. um, let's just start with the spoken word, spoken groove. If people don't know what that is or haven't really got, maybe uh, one picture I would have in my mind. Have you seen the movie... Uh, so I married an axe murderer. <laughs> yeah,
1: no. Everybody starts with uh, <laughs> starts with that.
0: It's like whoa, you know? man,
1: woman, woman. Yeah, she walked the corner and said, "I don't like you. Yeah. Get out my hair. I've got an axe. I'm not going to kill you. Just defend you." Ba-dun, yeah. Doon, doon, doon. yeah it's, okay, see, so that's a type of spoken word, sure. Okay,
0: okay. Yeah. yeah. And 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 that's pretty much all you do. Uh
1: it's <laughs> well, okay, so so this is interesting, right? Uh most of the time um uh, most of the time spoken word artists, you know, when you're thinking of that, what he's doing is he's intoning his words exactly yeah. on the drum beats, right? Uh-huh. Um, they're they're not as tied in a, in a lyrically as like a song would be, but he's totally connected with the drums. Um, and a lot of times you'll hear that you think of like a Longfellow poem. You know, I I mm-hmm. uh, shot an arrow into the air. It breathed. It, it it flew. Fell to earth. I knew not where. For so quickly it flew that sight cannot follow it in its flight. I bree- you know, and you're thinking of standard rhythm, standard rhyme. A lot of times now uh, spoken word stuff that I do probably comes more out of like poetry slam um, Mm -hmm. styling. Um, But then the other part of it is that I grew up singing tons of songs, loving, you know, uh, loving to worship God, also loving lots of rock and roll. And so I have more of a lyric quality uh, Mm -hmm. that comes into my stuff. So, so I don't, I don't limit myself to just either being tied to the drums or being apart yeah. from the drums. Sometimes, you know, I will have a piece where I like be like uh uh you know, start something with a <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's the flared-out, russet-brown corduroy jeans that are skipping the sidewalk off my steps. Maybe it's the way synthetic fabric folds enormous lapels and drapes them across my chest. Maybe it's the sounds of Herbie's headhunters jumping through the cool morning breeze in my windows. I don't know. But I swear I'm infected with the feelings of funkness. That music's so sweet. It's time to get down with the funky sound of a crazy celebration of feast. Yeah, you know, and just go off. Oh, and yeah. So you can tell that sometimes I'm playing around with the beat and sometimes I mm-hmm. lock into the beat. And yeah. so that's, if I do something with a, a band, that's really helpful because then mm. we can figure out how to play music with it and put music that underscores the piece. So then there's other times, you know, where it doesn't need any music or, or uh, needs to have none. And it's just about the story. It's about, uh, you know, uh, you know sometimes I can see the future David's four and a half year old eyes open portals to an alternate universe, really? Yep, not all the time, but sometimes, wow, let's race his little legs bounded off outside, begging me to follow right past his mom, flying around the corner. You know it's like there's no uh-huh. predictable rhythm associated with that,
0: yeah yeah
1: but you can you can hear there's a certain cadence that comes in mm. and there's a rhythm that's almost like it's too difficult to pin down but yeah. it's back there and so i'll hear i'll do yeah. that i'll do that one a lot of times at the beginning of writing workshops for kids and and i'll ask them you know was it poetry was it not and yeah. the, half the class picks one half picks the other and the the one that picks you know no poetry they'll say well it didn't have any rhythm i'm saying you, you say i don't have no rhythm And they'll go, no, 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 it didn't have a predictable, oh, not predictable rhythm. And other people go, no, it had a rhythm. And you could feel it, you know. Mm. So, I mean, it's spoken word. I would say that, um, think of Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech. Uh Right? If you you could take that, and people have done this, you can look it up on YouTube, just put a beat behind it. Yeah. Um, All great speakers, all people who know how to use words effectively, uh, there's a rhythm that they have behind their speaking. You may not be able to tell automatically what it is, but there's a rhythm that informs how uh, the words fall. And I, I would say that spoken word artists uh, are people who they need to, or they should be able to understand that rhythm, whether they're tying into it like Mike Myers on So I Married an Axe Murder, or they're totally, it like they're totally off it, but then you could go back and later and go, oh, wait a second, he's actually doing yeah. some cool stuff. Uh, playing with our expectation of where the rhyme and the rhythm fall and stuff yeah. like that so that's that's pretty much a spoken word and you can hear it all over the place you start going and listening to music you hear it in rap it's a form of it's a form of spoken yeah. word you will hear it Johnny Cash you know boy named uh-huh. Sue yeah. he did a lot of yeah, yeah he did a lot of spoken word songs mm. set to music yeah, yeah. and sometimes you'll even find it in worship you'll find it um, in worship songs where people will have a uh, they'll have a song and then they'll have like a, a spoken some spoken chorus and we a lot of times think it's rap and most of the time people are like yeah it's just sort of rap but it's kind of lame uh what was it uh, <laughs> oh i i remember um for delirious album they right. did that on christ the solid rock i will stand you know one of their yeah. ending at you know, i think it's a final album and then they they had toby mack come in he's like my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus yeah. blood and righteousness oh uh, I dare not you know <laughs> trust the sweetest frame but holy lean on Jesus name right he's just doing a spoken it's just spoken instead of sung uh-huh. right so uh, all those yeah. different forms and I'm kind of like hey this is a huge sandbox to play in there yeah, uh, yeah or yeah. sand pit sorry for you English people yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, well, you don't yeah
0: yeah huge huge sand pit I mean I guess one of the things for worship songwriters, which is primarily the people listening to this podcast, I think we often feel like we are playing in this tiny, tiny sandpit where you have to use, you know, a certain kind of language, has to fit in the scan, it has to um, make sense immediately, you know, has to not be cheesy, all, all these kind of restrictions that we immediately put on ourselves. So I guess I'd be interested to know how would you encourage a worship songwriter to kind of break out a little bit and, and use maybe some of the insights you've had from, from spoken word and poetry and stuff to, to just ignite their, their writing again? Yeah.
1: I, don't, I don't know why we think that God has put those types of limitations on our worship. I think mm. maybe part of it is we think, well, will people be able to follow us? But I've found that whenever I uh, underestimate the intelligence of my audience... They usually get bored. <laughs> yeah. And so, so I would say you don't have to, you know, and, and people are going to be used to a certain style of, of worship music, but most of the time the parts that they love are the parts that are a little bit unexpected, the parts that um, are different yeah. than what we did. So, so what I find all the time is in, I always challenge students whenever I'm teaching them writing, is I'll give them words that don't seem to fit together at all. And if you look uh-huh. and analyze whether it's characters, whether it's plot, whether it's any type of writing, it's always the words that feel like they don't fit but belong that have the most power in your writing. Whether mm. either to detract from your writing if you're if you don't know how to use them, or to enhance your writing. So, you know, I challenge you, like you know, find a way, find a way to throw in. And I've done I've done this with uh, I've done worship. Uh, writing workshops and stuff and then mm-hmm. I'll say, okay you, you got the words unicorn <laughs> diaper uh, you know, red and lampshade put those in a worship song right? Yeah. I had this one lady who was talking about um, I think I used the word underwear, which is always great and this was in England Um, and so she wrote this song, she wrote this piece, a spoken word piece about how, um, God, even as something like, you know, even when I'm stripped down in my underwear, you see me as beautiful, Yeah. you know, uh, and, and taking a, taking something like that where you embrace that imagery, you, you know, kind of Mm. stir up that creativity. People get into that. I went to, uh, so I went to Graham Kendrick's church, right? Now, if, if yep. anybody is the, you know, Master master Yoda of of English oh, yes. worship, it's Graham Kendrick, right? So he's doing his psalm surfing thing, which is amazing. Anytime you get the chance to see him do that, it's yeah, so yeah. great. And uh, so I came in and we did uh, Exposing the Psalms. We'd done one of the tracks on Exposing the Psalms Graham and I uh, created together and uh, recorded and stuff together. And, and, uh, and so we did that piece. And then I was like, okay, I want to do this new one. It's not recorded yet. It's from Psalm 46, and uh, it's called "The Baddest Man in Heaven's Got My Back." Right, and so it's got this chorus that goes, "The Baddest Man in Heaven's Got My Back," the funky God of Misfits, mercy never leaves and I'm attacked. The Baddest Man in Heaven's Got My Back, the funky God of Misfit, mercy never leaves when I'm attacked. You know, real simple, right? Real easy for them to repeat. Yeah. <laughs> So I go, so here's what I, I was like, hey, you know what? Let's do this together. I was so inspired by Graham. He's like, he's just straight singing the yeah. words from the Psalms. And they're not easy necessarily to follow, right? Nice. And so I'm like, nice. well, shoot, if he could do that, we can do that with mine. These people are smart. <laughs> so, uh, so, I, so so I go, okay, I got the first half. And, the, and this side of the audience is going to sing with me. And then this side of the audience, Graham, you're going to lead the second half. And so he's got to sing the funky God of Misfit Mercy never leaves when I'm attacked, and he's like, "Wait, wait, wait, how's it go?" You know. Uh, (laughs) And I was like, "Is that video of this?" I I don't think there was video. There should have been. Uh, But uh, anyway, probably have to get a release. You know, being Graham Kendrick and all this video. But uh, anyway, he uh, he said uh, so. He we figured it out, and the audience is all laughing, and, and we just turned it into like choir practice, right? And so I'd start and I'd go, the baddest man in heaven's God. And they started singing with me, right? And then he's like, The funky god, you know, leads him with the funky god of misfit. Mercy never leaves when I'm attacked, you know. <laughs> and it was awesome, right? And so they would do that, and then I'd and then I'd signal to them and they would stop and I'd go, look at the earth, see it shake, polar ice caps melt, greenhouse gases build, no human will is a match for climate change. The, you know not singing all this stuff or speaking all this stuff and then we'd come back in with the chorus right and they came back in right at the right times and it was this yeah, amazing yeah. time and the whole time we were doing stuff like that where it was we're bringing in spoken word we're bringing in uh, you know, sung choruses and, you know, or, or other other tracks that we had, they're singing praise the Lord, you know, and from the mountains and their peaks, yeah. praise the Lord and I'm just a singer at this point, right? And there, everybody's all singing together and at the end of it, we just, I mean, worship was coming out, we were rejoicing there was authentic celebration that we could, I mean, anybody who was in that room, we were all going, oh my goodness, the presence of the Lord is here we don't want this to end yeah. and I'm just going, Man, that is unexpected why are we not taking people on <laughs> yeah. unexpected adventures in worship because our god is not tame right if we learn anything yeah. from c.s lewis yeah. he's not a tame lion and doesn't yeah. he want us to explore the unmatched regions of his creativity the you know i, I was reading this in uh psalm uh, what is it? psalm 26 this yeah psalm i think no Psalm. it's still in psalm 25 this morning and he says, "The secret of the Lord uh, uh, is is with those who fear Him, and He will show them His covenants." Like, oh man, I want to know Your secrets, God. And what He shows me is He shows me, hey, you know what? When you're crazy and weird, I'm with you then too, and I like that stuff. <laughs> so let's do more of that. You know, do you, do you think? I mean,
0: I agree with you. You know, why are we not opening the doors to this creativity? Is it because were only influenced by a very narrow you know is do you think that you coming from doing poetry slams means that you you've had an an, you know and listening to you know herbie hancock's headhunters does does that does that influence you in a way that you can pull from that whereas what i kind of observe is i mean i i used to teach on the faculty at um, London School of Theology and I would have these students and they would say oh I listen to such, such a wide range of music so I'd say well okay right. well, what's this wide range and they say oh well, it's everything from you know Delirious to Israel <laughs> right. Houghton and it was like yeah okay that's not bad <laughs> that's not really a wide range of music I mean okay but they they just they were in such a uh, a narrow groove of what yeah, they were listening sometimes. to and what they were experienced, and what and and what they were prepared to bring into church. I think church,
1: sometimes I that's it, but I think it's even more, and I think it's even worse than that. I think that most of us have a very wide range of influences in our music, in our art, mm. but that we don't believe that certain ones are allowed to be brought into yeah. uh, the church building. And I think the the. The huge problem comes back to we have believed a lie that the enemy has told us. And the lie that the enemy has told us is that you might, yeah. you might if, if you start to get too passionate and start to express your heart to God, you might say something that's wrong. And it's yeah, more important to yeah. be right than to be close to God. And I'm telling you, that is a lie yeah. straight from the pit of hell. And the reason I know that is because mm. it's in Genesis. When Satan comes <laughs> as a serpent to Adam and Eve... And the very first thing he gets them to do is go to the tree of the knowledge of. Yeah, which could otherwise be translated as the tree of the knowledge of right and wrong. And it really means everything in between. But he's saying, he's like, hey, it's he tells them it's more important for you to know what's right and what's wrong as opposed Uh to to be close to God. Can you even trust God? He's trying to keep this back from you. There's this knowledge Mm -hmm. here. And we've we've just eaten it right up in the Western church because we're afraid of not being right. And you know what? God is not afraid of that. God is not afraid of us not being right. And in fact, it would be better if we could come and expose our hearts really to Him because then when we find out how we're screwed up, He can heal us. And and I think we, we need a new understanding of what worship is. Look at the people that worship Jesus throughout the gospel. What did they do? I mean, what happened was Jesus did something amazing for them, whether it was he rose from the dead, uh, you know, the disciples saw him, and then it says when they saw him and he arrives in glory, and he's like, all power, all authority have been given to me on heaven and earth. They're like, oh, surely that's true. And they fall down on their face and worship him. Or... He does a miraculous healing with someone and they fall down at his feet and worship him and it's a response there's passion they don't care what it looks like at that point they don't care if anybody walking by is seeing because they're meeting the living resurrected god and sometimes i wonder if we don't really want to meet the living resurrected god and have an encounter with him that changes our emotions changes our habits Hmm. changes you know all this stuff and so what we do is we separate and we say well this stuff that's the creative wild stuff i like it but i don't think it's accepted in church and people might tell me i'm bad for that so i keep it outside of church and i limit myself to the stuff that i know is accepted and then we become stale mm. and lifeless over time and we need to we need to ask the yeah. lord what do you want me to do god anyway yeah. it's a thought it's good that's that's no, one of my thoughts that's right. what i've been seeing over and over and i grew up in the church i love the church but um you know i started feeling that too it was like man well, there's this whole why do i limit myself why do i not use certain words and there are some that don't evoke you know awe and wonder but you know there have been times when i've been like god you know i had a, a bowel obstruction had surgery you know and I was like, "Thank you, God! I can poop again." Yeah. Now everybody else may not follow me in thanking the Lord for being able to have a bowel movement, right? But I'm telling you, at some point, there's a part of my heart that comes alive in worship, and that, and there are more there are more realms than just saying the word grace. I don't. You know, a lot of times we don't even know what the word grace means or saying the word holiness or, you know, power. A lot of these words, we've said them so much, we don't know what they mean. And so we need to find, uh, we need to find new, solid, concrete, image-rich words. And I would just say, pick some. Pick some. Think of, a, think of an image yeah. that, uh, that says grace to you. Like, for instance, um, I had no idea how to drive a car. But I felt like God said, get in the car and drive. And when I got in the car, I learned on the way how to drive the car. You know, I I don't know. I'm just trying to think of something that would be a concrete image. And it was like, it was a miracle. God gave me his power. You know, uh, I became like Neo in the Matrix learning kung fu but i was learning to drive a car and i felt like god was just downloading all this stuff into me right then you know oh my gosh i'm walking in his power and not in my understanding and it made me look better than all these other drivers out there it made me look you know all this stuff right find a find a context to put it in so it becomes real again so that's my challenge out there wonders of the earth All that it contains Fingerprints of love Trace the maker's name Stormy seas that roar How Where eagles soar.
0: That's great. And it leads us on to talk about the psalms, I think, because um, your approach to the psalms is not just to say, you know, let's neaten this up so that they're metrical and we can right. sing them in a tune or let's just write a nice tune to fit. I mean, you you very much, um, you know, attack the psalms and then let them inspire your own creativity or your own rewrites or your own stories. Um, so just you know tell us how that 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 project came about yeah uh
1: i had had a number of different people suggest this little idea of me rewriting or not rewriting but writing a a piece of poetry spoken word whatever to the psalms each one of them i was like that's a lot of work you know 150 of them there thanks but uh and so i kind of avoided it for a long time (laughs) and um and it was it's probably now what eight years ago or something like that that i finally go you know uh, god just started s- was stirring that desire you know and that's the cool thing is god i find mm-hmm. that god a lot of times speaks things to me but he doesn't force me to do them right away he stirs desire and he's patient um and so is that desire so i just yeah. go all right i'm gonna do it and i started trying to do it i'd written a few pieces to a few of the psalms and i think that's what started it is just i'd just be reading in the psalms and i go whoa this is really cool. But I don't think people understand it now. You know, yeah. why? when when it says in, uh, mm. I think it's Psalm, uh, you get mixed up in the numbers sometimes, Psalm 146, I believe, where it says, don't put your trust in princes or in the son of man whose spirit returns to the earth, mm-hmm. blesses the man who makes the Lord his trust, you know, the God of heaven and earth. And um, and I was like, well, we don't, in America, we don't have princes. You guys have a prince, right? You know, so you could write, you know, do yeah. not put your trust in no, Prince okay. Harry and people would laugh right you know yeah i know his red hair is flaming and his intentions are glorious and trying to get disabled vets to come to life but you know we know you and i both know that you know he's partied a little bit too hard sometimes you know whatever you could write that piece right and so for me i was like at the time george w bush was president so i was like do not put your trust in george w bush no matter your inclination your conservative consecration or scent of perspiration don't you do it because sure he's got bumpkin good looks that no woman can deny he's a really smart guy and i hear he fries up third world terrorist supporting nations for breakfast but we all know he can't help me with much less spell (laughs) the contents of my grocery list and all those tax cut tricks aren't aren't the kind of fix my heart needs when i'm feeling lonely under crowded sky anyway so i'll go off on this thing
0: and then i say you, you might have to do a Trump one soon. Oh, you know that, yeah, right? I know.
1: Or a Clinton, Hillary Clinton, either one, <laughs> right? They're both like, uh, 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 yeah, it's a, that's a whole nother issue. That's a whole other I podcast. did a, I, I converted it to a Barack Obama one, too. And then, oh, okay. uh, yeah. you know, so but then at the end, then I said, so, you know, we know that uh, you can't. Trust uh, the weather, especially not there in England. The attraction of your chick magnet, pimpified pleather pants, an endless romance, uh, Sam's math skills, an endless stream of dollar bills. Jack and Jill are getting a purple, getting a, uh, a purple pill, or getting included in your grandfather's will. You know you can't trust a philean when death is on the line. <laughs> In fact, it seems that death is the only thing really certain, and that's completely depressing, but that's completely depressing, and it turns out not even remotely true since it's already been conquered, so what can you trust? Maybe I could stop the rain. Or what if I could harness the clouds? The breath from my mouth uh, wrapping innocent children in a snugly warmth of tender sheets. What if my breath dripped the dew? Knew every flight of the soaring eagle, gave it food, could change the mood of the hopeless, the defender of the fatherless, opening blind eyes, including the ostracized, healing the paralyzed. What if I could make the dead come to life? And what if I left all that power in the skies just so I could be your friend? No matter what it costs me in the end, what if I limited myself to the frail form of my own creation, risking rejection, hurled insults, pointed spears of suffering, inhuman torture, being left alone by everyone, just so I could see your beautiful face again. Would you trust me then? I was like, whoa, that was cool. (laughs) That's a different take on Psalm 146. Right? Oh, yeah. But, man, I felt <laughs> the same right. thing. I was like, oh, I'm looking at it from a totally different perspective. So I started doing this, and some, some come out as songs. Some come out of those types of spoken word pieces. You know the baddest man in heaven got my back. That's Psalm 46, right? For a mighty uh, Martin Luther wrote a tune to that Psalm too. It's a mighty fortress is our God, warrior for the ages, right? Uh, And the Lord is, but the original one. The Lord is our refuge, God is our strength, the very present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, right? So I'm like the baddest man in heaven's got my back. I'm not gonna be afraid, you know. (laughs) Um, And uh, and so so there are all these different things and then even even cooler than that with the psalms is getting other people to write and join in and so once so Mm -hmm. i spent a lot of time with the lord just asking the lord what do you want me to say to me in this looking at it i I did some background research found a found a lot about um, ancient cultures and and some of the ways they think to make so that i could understand some of the symbols when they mention a certain city you know i don't say you know ah we're going to london and there are certain images and feelings that come up in you whenever I say those things. And I teach this in my writing workshops. You can check it out. There's, I got, there's a website, howtowriteworkshops.com. Um, but when I mention London, you know, you have associations with that that are different than when I mentioned Stoke-on-Trent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? You know, if I'm taking a vacation in London, you're like, oh, okay, it's not a bad choice, you know. Yeah, yeah. If I'm taking a vacation in Stoke-on-Trent, you're like, might want to rethink that. <laughs> you know? anyone living in
0: Stoke-on-Trent listening to this we love you and we love your town we do
1: and I love Stoke-on-Trent and I love Northampton I loved all the cities that people dog on in in England you know because there's amazing people there hey I live in
0: Luton we regularly get voted as like the worst town so
1: yeah you and Milton Keynes right yeah right Cardboard, you know, whatever cutout type people. People want to, you know, but there's you can make you can make beauty anywhere. We can, yeah. you know, God's given us creativity anyway. So, <laughs> so using but just using those the the raw. See, we're not worrying about is it right or wrong. Hmm. If you if you figure out like okay when he says you know uh, if they mentioned going to Jerusalem. That means something different than if he says go into Zion. Why does he say Jerusalem one time and go into Zion yeah. another? Why would he say Bethlehem? Or why would he say Shiloh? So I got to do some research and find out what those symbols yeah. mean. And then finding out the way that they even wrote poetry, the some of their worldview and how they thought about things. I found out a lot about that stuff so I could understand it. Once I can understand it, then I can start going, oh, this is way cooler than I thought. It's way yeah. more shocking. It's way yeah. more relevant. There's you got guys cursing God out in there. Yeah. You got guys uh, being Really raw with our emotions mm. and I don't get it. it's in the Bible <laughs> but we're afraid to bring it into the church. yeah Some, this tells me that there really is a lie from the enemy that we mm. have believed and it is and, the, and there's principalities that are warring against the Bride of Christ, keeping us from being as beautiful as God intended us to be. And you know you can't turn the ship 90 degrees or 180 degrees at a time or people fall off. But you know what? If we can start going to the Lord and going and asking God, God, would you show me how to open up and how to tie in on some of these guys? I mean, this is before Jesus came, died, rose from the dead, and David was experiencing the Holy Spirit's power. He was experiencing the grace of God. He was Mm -hmm. experiencing forgiveness for his sin without being stoned, yeah. I mean, he was allowed to stay king and he murdered a guy and committed adultery with his wife, right? Yeah. Like how do we let our pastors get away with that? <laughs> yeah. And yet somehow God forgave him. And I'm saying we need to really explore what God's actually saying here and get into them. The Psalms are way more powerful than we think and we need to stop playing as if they need to be safe and if yeah. we not we need to make sure we don't upset people. Because the last I checked, Jesus was in the business of hanging out with the people who were screwed up and broken and in the business of upsetting people who were trying to play it safe and follow all every stinking one of the rules.
0: Yeah. So yeah. that's
1: what that's what I love about the Psalms. And, and you know what? If people... I, the thing is, too, you know, I don't come in and just throw the whole book at them, throw the whole book at people right away and go, Well, you need to, you know get with the Psalms. That doesn't win anybody over, right? It's God's (laughs) kindness, his gentleness, his tenderness that leads us to repentance, right? That Paul talks about. Mm. And so do you neglect the the patience of God knowing that his kindness leads us to repentance? Like we need to be acting this way with each other and go, hey, you know what, wherever you are, let's just go one step further into the presence of God. And so that's what I would say, you know, with your churches, you may not be able to go baddest man in heaven funky god of misfit mercy on him, but you may be able to go uh the god who uh, interrupted my bathroom time <laughs> you know or interrupted my shower god maybe god pours his love on me like a shower yeah you know yeah. of warm water and i am bathing in his mercy you know i am yeah. awash under the faucet of his love yeah. uh, you know and uh, I'm gonna take all he takes all my sin he flushes them down the toilet I can't I could never go and f- grab them out again mm-hmm. they're gone they're as far from me as you know the septic system is from I, you know <laughs> I mean yeah. uh, maybe I'm not gonna go that far but you see what I'm saying <laughs> yeah you I had yeah. you with shower i had you with faucet i had you with yeah. flush my sins down the toilet and my goodness psalm 103 just came to life
0: yeah. yeah and
1: you can do that in your bodies and and i would say too you know spoken word sometimes you go how can you use spoken word spoken word if it's not really tied to the rhythm yep. is hard to use for congregational worship unless you're having people like recite a psalm together, something. And what I usually find is spoken word is is great for stimulating um, excitement and a response and stimulating emotion so that people then, when they sing following it up, they're going to have a deeper passion, deeper response. We did this with Advent once at my church, Mm -hmm. where it was the joy time, you know, and usually people come and they read a service and there's candles and it's so you know lovely. Uh, lovely right all those different things and for for us uh, was, the one was joy and i was like you can't do joy without some dancing or something so i got a drummer yeah. and i wrote this piece about this is not some old story and i brought in references to phil collins you know yeah you know i could feel it coming in the air oh no the phil collins this is not you know who don't who even knows what you're talking about in that song and it's like you know when uh Cause this is more than a feeling. This more than a feeling. And I was like, when the you know the harmonic keyboard strains of Boston have faded to dust, this will still be beating. And so I go into this thing, and essentially at the end of it, I said, "We can't wait for you to come today." And as I was doing this, I had the mic. The drummer's playing. We're doing you know spontaneous drum solos combined with spoken word stuff. It was amazing. We pulled it off, but it worked. We practiced, and I ran around the I ran around the whole congregation and as i did i wasn't expecting i was like this could go really bad but i just took this risk i ran around the whole congregation and everybody stood to their feet as i did that he starts beating out a drum beat i'm yelling there was a shout this primal shout erupted from the whole congregation and then we went into deep inside i'm crying out for more of you you know And yeah. release me father to dance like a child again the worship team came up yeah. we yeah. all started doing it they joined in as we mm. sang and played and it was amazing so you know having a having a, a video having some creative art having a dance yeah. I, I saw a worship leader once. She was a children's worship leader, and she couldn't she couldn't carry a tune.
0: Yeah. How do
1: you be a children's worship leader and you can't sing? Well, she was a dancer, uh-huh. and so she would play uh, worship songs or videos or whatever, and then she would teach them a dance with it. The kids they loved it. It was the yeah. best some of the best worship I've ever experienced. <laughs> the presence of God was thick with those yeah. kids. Right, so. Trying, trying different ways and, and bringing it in at once to stimulate, then a response, and then going to something that they know. Because you always have to, you know, great art is the combination of the familiar plus the unexpected. We do really good with familiar. Yeah. We need to bring in some unexpected. You can't do all unexpected or people don't, you know, it's like if the trumpet yeah. makes an uncertain sound, who's going to yeah. march in a battle? But you can't do, also do all familiar, otherwise people get bored. So, all unexpected, people don't understand, all familiar, it becomes lifeless. Mm. And you got to bring those in, bring the unexpected in to stimulate a response and then bring the familiar in so that people can go, Oh, yes, isn't that sweet? Oh, that's right. I've, been, mm. I've forgotten how powerful this song actually is. I've mm. sung it so many times.
0: So Yeah, that's great. Hey, yeah. are you listening, people? Yeah, have fun I'm editing so, that. G- that was good.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Do not put your trust in Barack Obama. No matter your inclination, your we finally got an African-American in the White House consecration or sent of. Perspiration, Don't you do it? Because sure, he's got those big-eared good looks that no woman can deny. He's a Harvard-educated guy, and I hear he fries up anyone who opposes his health care plan for breakfast. But we all know he can't help me with the contents of my grocery list, and all those clever speech-making tricks aren't the kind of fix my heart needs when I'm feeling lonely under a crowded sky. And let's face it. Someday the boy won't be alive, he's gonna die, just like you and I and all of Bill Clinton's endless stream of ladies in the night, so don't get your hopes up, alright? And- while I'm at it, don't bet all your money on a bunch of horses. No matter what kind of tip you squeeze squeezed from your inside sources, cause that orange juice ain't fresh press turns kinda bitter when Smarty Jones is stumbling down the stretch, and Lord knows there had not been a Triple Crown winner since the 70s, and not even the rippling flanks of the majestic Secretariat, or the feel-good story of Seabiscuit overcoming the odds seemed like a sure thing at the time, so save yourself the peace of mind and put your money where your blind eyes can see it. You know come to think of it you can't count on the
0: weather the attraction of your
1: chick magnet pipified pleather pants and-
0: um that's great well i just want to um take a bit of a, a turn as well cuz you were you were just mentioning to me that you've um you've been on a bit of a sabbatical year yeah from um from performing and stuff and uh I'd love it if you if you could share a little bit about that and and you know maybe some folks are listening and they're kind of feeling a bit burned out or mm. Uh, they're just giving out too much or, you know, be, it'd be great to hear your perspective on that as well, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, so about a year ago, some uh, uh, we, well, it was a little more than a year ago, we found out that we, you know, were were pregnant with uh, Kaz, our little boy. Mm. Yeah, it was, ex- it was exciting. He's, he's amazing. and um, And so it was getting into fall time and we were deciding whether we were going to lead uh, be team leaders for some small groups again in our church. And we were mm-hmm. just feeling, I mean, with Vicky's pregnancy, we'd been on tour. I mean, going on tour in the first trimester of your pregnancy <laughs> with your wife, first time in a foreign country. We were in England. Uh, <laughs> and then we went to Spain for vacation, and that turned out incredible. Uh, <laughs> and uh, anyway, and so after all this, and after the summer, we released the uh, exposing the Psalms album launch and had all this stuff um, uh, that we went through and we were just tired, and mm. and so we were thinking about this and we were we were driving over down to see some friends and Vicky and I were talking. She goes, uh, "Can we just can we just take a break? Could we just you know is it even allowed for leaders to take a break?" And I was like, "Oh my yeah. goodness, it's like what have we become that we yeah. can't take a break?" And so we started praying into that and we both just. Felt like we heard really strongly that the Lord was saying, one, that we should take a year to just spend time with enjoying our new son and each other. And also that we needed to, um, that we needed to stop touring and performing mm-hmm. for the year, stop teaching writing workshops. And in my marketing consulting business, I needed to give away uh, as much of the workload as I possibly oh. could to other partners. And now yeah. I'm like going, hey, this is like, uh, you, you know, you're talking about it, half our income. Yeah. You know, but I, I knew and i had been thinking about this for a while that God had done this thing with Israel. At least he'd offered them a plan. They never took him up on it. Yeah. They offered him a plan of a Sabbath year of rest every seven years. And he said, if you'll take the Sabbath year of rest, I will provide for you enough harvest for the year that you take the rest and also for the year after when you're planting and, and starting to reap again. Yeah. And uh, I was like, "Wow, that seems like a big ask." But why didn't I ever take him up on it? And he he seems to be saying that he he actually wants to take care of us, not us provide you know him offerings. You know, wow. So I was like, I've been thinking about this for a while, and I felt like God said, "I want you to take that year." So you're like, okay. So we decide to, and we say you know no to all this ministry stuff, all you know touring, all this whatever. And uh, say we're just gonna rest and everything and um, and just after that, and I start giving away and I start giving away the work to other clients. And this uh-huh. is giving away salary, right? And other guys I still retain part of the way we have it set up that I still make money even if um, you know the other guys are doing the work because I started the uh-huh. client and I provide some strategy or whatever. But so I start giving away the work <clears throat> and right after that, I think I'd given away like two, three clients for getting other writers to do what I was doing. And right after that, this huge client comes in. Would you work for us? I was like, well, the only way I can do that is if I put a team together. That's great. We'll pay you lots of money. I was like, what the heck? (laughs) You know, if I would not have given away the work to other people, I wouldn't have been ready and been able to handle the increased workload and bring other team on. I had a a new shift in perspective. And somebody had given me a word that, hey, what's gotten you to here isn't what's going to get you to there. And I thought it meant mm. about spiritual spirituality, family, and stuff. And instead, God was like, "I mean it in your work too, because that's important to yeah. me also." So anyway, um, so that happened, and that has continued to happen. And so I'm working. So we haven't done any touring. We've done. There's been some traveling that we've done, whether vacation or or even out to see like this uh, a new client or something like that. But uh, we've been we've been together. And what's happened is I'm working probably half as much, and we're mm-hmm. making three times as much. Wow. And God's going like, see? Like, <laughs> you're not even scratching the tip of the iceberg of the blessing yeah. that, you know, that I'm about to pour out. We're continuing yeah. to pour out more. And what I'm seeing is God is enabling us now to get to the place where we have our needs provided, and even more than that, so then now we can go and invest in... Uh, stuff that God's doing in His kingdom whether financially or He's also freeing up our time so that the desires yeah. that He puts in us afterwards are really great and the other thing the other thing that's been happening is God's been speaking to both of me and Vicky, saying hey what if you found out that I love you just for you <laughs> and not for all yeah. the ministry and stuff that you do yeah. and yeah. we've been discovering that it's been amazing yeah. and it's, it's made there's no, there's no uh, pressure on creativity I can come up with stuff that's terrible and it's just fun. (laughs) And then discovering new things in that and uh, finding new ways to write, new ways to even perform, uh, you know, spending time with friends. These things are important and somehow we we seem to throw those out because we say we're about ministry. God doesn't, you know, God's wanting a bride, not just a worker.
0: Yeah. And if you have
1: been you know, sort of seduced into that idea that God just wants you to work for him. I'm telling Mm. you that also, that's a lie from the enemy. And yes, there is work, but it comes out of his rest. And as we go and spend time in his presence and we rest in him, you know, God said this to a church, uh, one of the seven churches in Revelation, right? Mm. He says, I know your works, your love and your labors, right and that and i know that you've tested those who are apostles and have found them not right and uh, and i know that your works now are greater than they were at the beginning but i have this one thing against you that you've left your first love yeah and so now i say to you return to your first works the ones that you did at the first return to that love because if you don't i'll come and i'll take away your lamp yeah i don't want to lose the light of his joy, of his salvation, I don't want to lose the light of life. Yeah. and so I see, and you know what I noticed seven years ago was the time when I had been touring with the guitarist, Paul Finley, and we've been touring uh-huh. all over the world. And like, at the end of that, and at seven years ago, we stopped touring together. My booking manager stopped working with me. my girlfriend left me. You know, all, the, all this stuff happened, yeah. and it forced me to take a year of yeah. not touring and performing, and I was like, these things seem to happen to me every seven years. I was like, <laughs> why don't I actually stop and position myself where God can pour out as much of his blessing on me as possible? Yeah. And so it's been this amazing rest and refreshing, and I'm excited for for living even more in that rest and refreshing when... You know whatever touring and performing that he has planned for us starts again, you know, in yeah. 2017. And yeah. so I don't know, you know, and and even feeling like God said, "Hey, I want to be your promoter." Wow, mm. that would be cool. You you're actually that real, you know. Yeah. See, that's the deal. We don't believe God's actually that real, yeah. and we need to that's good. because He's more real yeah. than us. Yeah, we're the ones who that's want good. to become real like Him, and. We need to rest so i just counsel you if you're a worship leader if you're a you're a songwriter out there take a break every now and then especially you know take a break once a week and just indulge in god's pleasure and in his goodness for you take a break even from writing and go and read some other stuff go and watch a movie go and sing yeah. some some new stuff go and make some stuff up and just uh you know be silly be goofy because it's out of those times that so much of the creativity comes and and we're not pushing ourselves so hard and i think god wants to make us more beautiful that way so that's what we've been experiencing
0: that's great that's really great it really it it chimes with my experience as well having taken this year to go to sweden mm. yeah what did you experience um, in that yeah i mean a lot of the a lot of the same really um I think it's interesting how much family time we we got. It felt like, I mean, we were doing some work, a little bit like you, but we were doing some work, but it was a lot of kind of sabbatical, a lot of family time. Mm -hmm. Um, And God provided. I think it's interesting now coming back, trying to start up again, um, it's feeling feeling a challenge. Um, And I think, you know, I guess one of the things is just not to and listening to you you speak there is, you know, not to forget that, you know, this isn't about us. Okay, now back to back to normal, back to normality, back to making it all happen on your right. own in your own strength. Right. <laughs> um, you know, it's it's actually no, it's back to right, what have you learned? Have you learned that God is faithful? Um But yeah, I I, I it, it really charms with me, um, you know, all that you've all that you've said and in fact thinking back we we did a similar thing and it was i don't think if it was seven or possibly eight years ago but i can see what you're meaning about that that seven year cycle um and you know and the the rhythm of the week sarah sarah got a a, someone sent her a a message some guy in sweden had come up with this great idea for um kind of productivity and healthy lifestyle Mm. and he was saying what i do is i work six days (laughs) And then I take one day completely off, and he was like marketing this as like this new great idea, never thought of before, life hack thing, and it's like, wow, you know, if only somebody had told us about that before.
1: And why it's like, and why do we listen to that guy and not listen to the original guy who spoke from heaven?
0: (laughs) Yeah, but exactly.
1: Hey, it's great. God uses anything, you know. If He can use a donkey, He can use us to speak something new to people. And, uh, I, you know, we need it. And, and you know, the, the primary thing, you know, the, your brain kind of works like two brains in one. And that uh-huh. part of your brain that, that knows right from wrong and sorts everything and puts it in order and looks for how everything, you know, is, is, can be measured and can be studied and all that kind of stuff. That part gets tired over the day. That's the primary uh-huh. reason you need sleep at night. But you're, the right side of your brain, the imaginative uh, creative mm-hmm. side never goes to sleep and that's why your dreams are so weird and, <laughs> and strange at night so it's always thinking symbolic there's no like actual literal words in there and stuff and so everything you're dreaming is has a, a symbolic meaning and that's always going and the other part of it is that that creative imaginative side its function is to look for the solution to complex patterns it's never seen before
0: mm-hmm.
1: and, uh, and the left side of your brain doesn't do that so much so it's kind of like yeah. when you Say, I'm not going to ever rest. You're stopping yourself from having breakthroughs. You're stopping yourself from yeah. coming up with really cool ideas and God even speaking through what he's designed in you already to come mm-hmm. up with a new mm-hmm. way of looking at things, a, a new life, a new creativity coming out. So don't say no to that. You know, Follow that bunny trail mm-hmm. uh, a little bit more often. And at the same time, you also need that left side that says, Hey, wait a second. You realize yeah. you're leading people into, uh, you know, saying that these people over here are evil and we should hate them and all that kind of stuff. That's not right. Oh yes, okay. <laughs> oh, I won't go down that pattern. Yeah. yeah you know. You know. Don't want yeah. that path. Whatever. So. Well, so well, enjoy that. that rest. You know that rest is it stimulates that that creativity for
0: sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Hey Pete, tell us uh, where people can check out your stuff. What's the best? <laughs> parts of the well, internet to find you The parts of the,
1: I know this year of rest makes me even more like uh, run away from social media I mean you can find if you look yeah, for yeah. me on Facebook you can find me Peter Nevland I don't post very often um, I do have a website spokengroove.com that's in somewhat of a woeful state but there are some there are quite a few lyrics on there probably the best place to look go look me up on YouTube just put in Peter Nevland yeah. Nevland spelled like the land of Nev um, you know, think of me as Peter Pan if you need to. Whether it's green tights and me going taking you on trips to Never Neverland, or or whether it's me looking like, whoa, like I'm looking like Shaggy. Whoa, and, you know, all that stuff. You do look yeah. a bit like Shaggy. It's whoa, true. he really does. Yeah. You know, and, and Shaggy and Scooby. Whatever <laughs> you need, but go look me up Peter Nevland on YouTube. It's probably the best. And then I'll, also, if you want to improve your writing, There's a ton of great tips that I've mostly just learned from other people and uh, incorporated into my own writing. And there are videos and things on Um, howtorightworkshops.com because most people don't teach you how to write. They just say, here's good writing, figure it out. Hmm. So there's some very easy principles that make your writing far better, uh, can improve your writing dramatically very quickly so check it out how to write workshops.com lots of stuff on there and uh probably look me up on youtube peter nevland so
0: great thank you so much peter for for sharing and uh thanks for calling
1: man it's been great hanging out